You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. Craigslist can't catch a break. You had your Craigslist killer in New York. You have your Craigslist killer in Boston. You have attorney generals all over the country going after Craigslist about their erotic services ads, which are now about to become adult services ads, not to be confused with erotic services ads. And now out of North Carolina, you have a man who arranged to have his wife raped in their home in the middle of the night by a stranger that he met on Craigslist And he had this all go down in the home, in their home, in the middle of the night, while his two children slept down the hall. This man appeared in their room with a knife and raped this dude's wife. And police began to become suspicious when they could find no evidence of forced entry into the house. You really got to wonder about, A, people who would do something like this to the mother of their children, to someone that they profess to love. Uh, B, you know, you have to be a little concerned about this tool, this really powerful tool. The web is a powerful tool for hooking up people with shared sexual interests. But you got to really wonder about a tool that's so powerful that somebody who would like to arrange to have someone raped in his house, his wife perhaps, can just go online and make that happen. You can find that dude in a small town in North Carolina who's willing to do that for you. And you got to finally wonder about all those douchebags still running around the country saying – that gays and lesbians are unfit to parent just because we don't have mix-matched sets of genitals. They run around saying every child deserves a mother and a father as if a mixed-matched set of genitalia tells us all we need to know about the fitness of a particular couple to parent. These kids, these two small young children in this house, they had a mother and a father and I think they could have done better. Not that you know, a lesbian couple would be better or a gay male couple would be better but they could have done better than this straight couple – Certainly. And so, you know, you just can't say every child deserves a mother and father as if that tells you everything you need to know about the fitness of a particular couple to parent. These kids and this woman deserve better than that dad. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item plus a free gift with most purchases, please visit AdamandEve.com and enter Savage at checkout. Hi, I'm I'm 29 and have a problem that I hope you can help with. I've recently started seeing this girl, and it's really, really great. Um, She's fun and funny, and so far it looks like it could be something really terrific. Um, The problem, however, is that this girl is 18. Um, We were in a play together and certainly weren't looking for anything, but it just kind of happened, and as I said, it's been really great so far. Because of the age difference, um, and because I've been really aware of seeming like a creep, um, we've talked things through and we're taking things really, really slow and I'm being careful not to, to push her into anything that she's not ready for, um, following the campsite rule. And though looking at the math of it, it looks kind of weird. Um, when I'm with her, it just kind of works. My problem is that I told a good friend of mine about it last night and this friend, um, completely freaked out on me and made me feel like this ugly old creep who's taking advantage of a young girl. Um, my question, I, I guess, is, um, am I a creep? Or can I trust this girl when she says that she knows what she's doing um, while being respectful of her experience? You could be a creep. 
Probably not. Maybe not. It sounds like you're doing all the right non-creepy things. You're communicating with her. And most importantly, you are self-aware and self-critical. You know that there's a potential here for the abuse of power. Uh, you know that there's a potential here that she is young and naive. And it sounds like you're really taking all reasonable steps and precautions and uh, honoring the campsite rule, which I give you props for, and, and subjecting yourself to a greater degree of scrutiny and really scrutinizing your actions and your choices and uh, trying to draw her out about what she's down with and comfortable with and blah, blah, blah. Your friend's reaction gave you second thoughts. Your friend has a right to react that way. In fact, it's probably for the good that he reacted that way or she potentially reacted that way. Because, you know, a relationship with a large uh, age difference, particularly when you're talking about someone who could still be in high school uh, and you're in your late 20s and she's 18, it invites a higher degree of scrutiny and it should. And that scrutiny, self-scrutiny and scrutiny from your friends from outside is what's led you to be so aware and critical and to communicate with this girl as explicitly as you have. So are you a creep? I mean, that's your question. Are you a creep for being in your late 20s and dating an 18-year-old? Maybe. Uh, not necessarily. It sounds like no now. But, you know, you may – she may decide this relationship may end badly. You may do everything right and the relationship may still end badly and she may regard you as a creep afterwards despite your best efforts to be non-creepy. Uh, you're not entirely in control of the creep assessment after the fact. But I think with a, you can uh, continue to see her with a clear conscience so long as you continue uh, along the path that you're, already, that you're already on. Hi, Dan. I was calling because I thought of you the other night because I was watching TV with my mom and it was one of those crime scene investigation shows. You know, there's a million of them on TV now. But one of the murders on one of this show was, it, well, let's just say that it was painting rape fetish in a really bad light. And it, it was like two people met online and they were both into rape fetish and, uh, you know, rape fantasy and yada, yada, yada. One of them ends up dead. And I was watching with my mom and she was like, oh, that's disgusting. And, you know, I, I listen to your podcast religiously and have kind of, you know, understood that it is not this disgusting thing. And I was just so upset about the show, you know, kind of painting it as this really disgusting thing and, and online sex leads to killings. And I, I don't know, I was just really upset and I, uh, you know, talked to my mom and I was like, well, you know, I actually don't think that rape fantasy is all that much of a terrible thing if two people are, you know, uh, okay with it and, you know, there's respect involved. And, you know, she understood where I was coming from, but I could see where a lot of other people who don't have someone, you know, like me to kind of balance back would uh, be upset about that. I don't want to speak on behalf of the entire rape fantasy fulfillment community. But I can't – you know, I'm sort of of two minds. Yes, of course, a sensationalized program that uses edgy sex to scare and titillate their viewers, including your mother who uh, was being terrified and titillated while you were in the room, which is actually kind of terrifying and not titillating, is exploiting, you know, the sensational sexualities of, uh, you know, the modern sexual age, you know, ripped from the headlines. That's what those programs do. Not – Everybody who arranges a rape fantasy fulfillment scenario over the internet is going to be brutally murdered. Uh, most people uh, get away with it. Um, by which I mean – I don't mean get away with a crime. Most people you know, going online may meet somebody who shares their fantasies and blah, blah, blah. Just like you said to your mother. Um, 
So how should we feel about this program, this, you know, douchebags SVU, making it look so dangerous by sensationalizing it? Well, you know, I don't think we should lose any sleep over it. You know, they can't do for balance a program where people meet online for edgy, dangerous, transgressive sex and nobody gets hurt because then there's no crime. So there's really no show, no crime procedural can be written about a rape fantasy fulfillment scenario uh, realization scene gone terribly right. They have to go terribly awry to break through the SVU, Hyman. I'm not making any sense. I apologize. So they can't really do a program. They can't really do special victims unit when there are no victims special or otherwise uh, to traffic in and exploit. But, you know, part of the deal with edgy, transgressive, super kinky sexual fantasies uh, – and scenarios is that they are edgy and kinky and transgressive and they are a little scary, uh, particularly scary for people who don't share them, who aren't turned on by them, like perhaps your mother. So in a way, the show, even though it makes all people who might go online to find someone who shares their sexual interests look like they're taking insane risks, make, make all those people look crazy – uh, it does sort of bolster up, uh, you know, part of what is arousing about certain transgressive sexual fantasies in that they are transgressive and they scare little old ladies who sit up at night and watch uh, Law and Order SVU and then go to bed clucking their tongues about uh, how insanely kinky some people are. So it's not something that I think that you should be too upset about. Glad you talked to your mother off the uh, rape fantasy fulfillment scenario phobia ledge. Uh, but I think it's kind of a wash for the rape fantasy community. Not that I'm claiming to speak for all of them or any of them. Hi, Dan Savage. Um, my name's Kelly. I'm a about to be 27 year old gay man. Um, and I just kind of started seeing this guy. Uh, and I mean, literally just kind of two dates and I'm a little curious about how I should react or if I'm getting into something I shouldn't, but he blew me off today because we were supposed to hang out, said he got some bad news, and we're texting. And he tells me the bad news over text that he found out that he now has HIV. I find out that not only did he get HIV, it just found out, but a couple weeks ago he was basically, for lack of a better term, raped. He claims he's top, I'm versatile, um, and I'm open-minded. The HIV thing doesn't really bother me. Um, I think what bothers me more is how it was acquired in his kind of blase attitude about it. He claims that a guy was seeing uh, one night forced himself on him, forced the guy to, you know, to bottom, no condom, no lube, you know, and basically forced him to have sex and said he was giving him a gift. And that kind of freaks me out, uh, not kind of, freaks me out a ton, but also his kind of attitude about it. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to be a dickhead and dump him. I mean, the HIV thing doesn't, isn't enough for me to dump him. But I, I I don't know if he's emotionally ready to go in that place. And I'm, you know, I'm happy to, if he is, go that way. But I don't know what kind of conversation to have or if it's even worth having a conversation. Trust your gut. Clearly your gut is telling you that there's something here that doesn't add up about his story, about how he got HIV in the first place. You're only two dates in. You're not a bad guy for walking away. It's not about, you know, he may claim it's because you're an HIV phobe and I'm sorry, but HIV is something worth being phobic about at least a little bit. Uh, what you're walking away from is his story doesn't quite add up. It, it, it's setting off alarm bells. 
Anybody who's that blasé about having been raped and infected, what, two weeks ago is either lying or has a screw loose. In either case, go. Gone. You're done with them. I'm a 23-year-old straight female, and I I have the typical types of fetishes, I guess, for girls, uh, where I like to be kind of, you know, be bossed around and and controlled and... Um, I guess slight bondage, but nothing too serious. But um, recently, uh, my boyfriend has been wanting to do more like humiliation things, which I mean, it's a big turn on for me. But sometimes I like step outside of myself, and I just feel really um, almost not embarrassed, but just sad. Like, why is he doing this to me? But I. I'm pretty much the one who asks for it. <laughs> and normally it turns me on, but I just get these little instances where I feel really sad, like where this this is my boyfriend and why is he doing this to me? You were a candidate for a callback because it would have been helpful to know, uh, first of all, your phone number, so I could have called you back, but also uh, what exactly it is he's doing during these humiliation uh, role play scenes that pulls you out emotionally of the scene. Uh, and, you know, has sends you floating up over the room where you're then observing what's going on and sort of feeling bad about the way he's treating you. At the beginning of the call, you say that uh, the humiliation stuff is sort of his turn on and it com- becomes clear as the call goes on that it's your turn on or your turn on too. It, uh, quoting you, it is a big turn on for me. Uh, it could just be that you went a little too far, a little too fast on the humiliation role play. Uh, sometimes you got to treat yourself with super kink, you know, bondage and S&M and humiliation, like the proverbial frog in the frying pan. You want to up the heat just – not that I want to use an image where you end up a dead boiled frog by the end of it. But you want to increase the heat very, very gradually or the frog will jump out of the frying pan. And you want to stay in the frying pan but not actually boil to death. Uh, this metaphor is not really working for me. But we're going to dig our way out of this hole. Here we go. Lighten up. That's my advice for you and the boyfriend. Pull back on the humiliation play to a point where you find, you know, where it's much, uh, much less extreme uh, and it doesn't provoke you to slip out of the scene emotionally. And then very gradually, if that starts working and you stop having those moments that kind of ruin it for you, very gradually uh, ramp it up, but very slowly. And you should communicate all of this to him that you're having this problem and that Uncle Dan, um, Use this bad frog metaphor to explain to you why you need to roll things back for a while and take things more slowly. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products to spice up your love life or surprise a special someone. AdamandEve.com has a great selection of toys, lingerie, and movies. 10 million customers love the quality, the fast and discreet shipping, and the 100% satisfaction guarantee. Visit adamneve.com today and receive 50% off most any item of your choice, plus a free gift for the purchase of $17 or more. That's adamneve.com and enter Savage at checkout. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a 24-year-old heterosexual female calling actually from Ontario, Canada. Um, I was calling with a question um, about kind of a way for someone my age to make a little extra cash, Um, almost like a Craigslist type thing that... uh, we've got here in Canada. Um, I've been thinking about basically not hooking up necessarily sexually, but getting together with some older gentlemen that advertise online, basically looking for company, so to speak, when they come to the town um, that I live in. 
Uh, they don't specify anything sexual to happen, but they do say that they're willing to negotiate prices and are very open about the, uh, disclosing the fact that they're well off. Now, it's not that I necessarily need the money, but an extra thousand a month <laughs> wouldn't hurt. So my question, I guess, to you is, if I have hesitations about this, I really want to know what the pros and cons about doing something like this would be, given that I'm pretty career-oriented about establishing myself and making a positive name for myself. And would this have any negative recourse? They're going to expect sex, these older guys who are saying price negotiable. You're going to have to fuck them for that money if you want that money. There's a website... The New York Times Magazine recently did a long piece about that you might want to look up and read, a website called SeekingArrangement.com, which is sugar babies, boys and girls, seeking sugar daddies who are willing to sort of date them for money. But also it's quite clear they will expect to fuck you for that money too, not just spend time with you. Um, the uh, name of the story is Keeping Up With Being Kept by Ruth Padawar and you might want to go to the NewYorkTimes.com and have a read and you'll see what you're – Signing up for if you start answering those ads. Um, as for negative repercussions, you know, everything everybody does these days that involves any web component, you're going to have to have email exchanges with these guys. They're going to want to see your pictures. Really, that's a part of a permanent record that's going to be out there that you're not going to control ever again after you sort of float that out on the web. You may send long emails explaining what you're into sexually or not, uh, what you're willing to sign up for, what you're not willing to sign up for, how much money you expect and your pictures. And then this guy or guys will have possession of all of that email and your photos potentially forever. And it could resurface 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years into your career. Uh, and it could harm you. Uh, I don't think that's likely uh, for someone to keep track of that uh, forever or to keep it lying around forever. It is a potential negative repercussion of getting involved in the world's oldest profession, which is what you are contemplating. And if even an infinitesimal risk that these emails and photos may come back to haunt you uh, is too great a risk for you to run, then you shouldn't do this. Hey, Dan. I'm a 23-year-old bisexual female living in the Midwest. I just moved to a new city and... I immediately got a boyfriend here. We've been together for four months. Things seem to be going excellently. Um, we spend time together. We enjoy each other's company. We gave each other things and helped each other out. And it felt very mutual and fabulous. Um, recently, he went away for a few days and I went away for a few days. When he came back, things seemed a little bit weird. Um, then I didn't see him for a day. And then today... He suddenly seemed very distant and essentially told me that it was over because he felt that we were not going to get married at some point in our lives. I didn't really know what to think. This was very unexpected. I felt like this was a very strange reason to break up with someone whose company you're very, you're very much enjoying. And when you're young and your lives are not, really set and clear anyway. He said he felt like he's getting old. He's only 26. Um, on top of that, I felt like we had a really good sex life, but he said that we weren't compatible in bed. And I'm utterly confused about what this could mean because he never indicated anything to me. So I don't know if he's just making up a bunch of excuses because he's afraid 
of a good relationship or if there's something really legitimate going on that I didn't foresee and I'm not comprehending. Has anything changed since you recorded that call for us? Um, yeah, we had a couple of emails back and forth, and it seems like he just isn't in love with me or doesn't feel for me whatever he wants to feel for someone who he thinks he will be with for the rest of his life. So you got dumped. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could tell you that, oh, he's wrong, and that would compel him to continue to see you. No. But I can't. I know that's I know. our... Um, sometimes you just have to accept uh, being dumped gracefully, even if the other person isn't being particularly graceful about how they let you go. Oh, I guess what I don't understand about it is that, you know, the whole time he's going, you're so intelligent, you're amazing, you're beautiful, you're attractive, you're awesome, we have so much fun together. Yes, I think we're really compatible right now. And I, I, I still don't understand what the missing link is. Well, the missing link could be that he doesn't actually know what it is he wants. For real. And it might be you and it might not be you. And, and you're saying he's young, therefore he shouldn't be tossing you overboard because of some arbitrary hang-up he has about lifetime potential. But he may be doing this thing where I'm young and I'm not sure that this awesome person is everything I want and I want to keep seeing other people and date. And it sucks, you know. It's kind of mid-20s hemming and hawing and game-playing. And it sucks to be on the receiving end of it. I remember what it was like. Uh, so right. I'm not being cavalier about your feelings right now. But the only person who knows exactly what's going on between his ears is him, and he may not even know for sure. I don't think he even knows. He still found it confused. So that's what you just have to do. You have to say, he doesn't know what the fuck he wants, the shit coming out of his mouth doesn't make sense and contradicts earlier shit that came out of his mouth, and just walk away. And, you know, he may decide in a six months that he was wrong to dump you and come crawling back to you. I get lots of emails from people who've attempted to do that. And, I think I no. And then you can. Just, I, I feel like I would say no okay. at that point. I, I don't think you should necessarily say no at that point. Really? Um, depending on him and the circumstances and where you're at. Sometimes people need to break up before they get back together. My mother and her second husband dated and it got very serious, and then he left her for six months before he came back and proposed. And you know, she'd been too wrapped up in feeling angry about having been dumped six months prior, she would have cheated herself out of a really great 25 years with my stepdad. Yeah. So I wouldn't go there necessarily. I wouldn't write him off and burn all the bridges. But you can't control him, and it sucks and it hurts. I get it. Go out there. There's other guys. If you are everything that he said that you are, and I believe that you are because all of my listeners are awesome and hot and good in bed, you'll have your pick of the other dudes on the planet and the other ladies. Okay, speaking of good and bad, I, I really, there's something I'm just really confused about, and he just sort of threw this thing out there of, we're not compatible sexually, and that completely took me off guard, because... That doesn't mean you're lousy in bed. No, I don't think I am, but... But that's how you said, that's how you described the meaning of that phrase. It could mean that he was holding back, that there's things that he did not reveal to you in the four months you were together about him, about himself sexually, about his interests... And that he may be afraid, like many guys in their mid-twenties, of revealing to you for fear of scaring you off. A lot of people do this dumb thing where for fear of scaring their sex partner off, they dump them and scare them off. I feel like I'm, but I'm like really sexually open and honest and, that's and great, but he may not be liberated. He may really. Not be so even though he knows that I'm open, yes. he would still be afraid of saying something. He would still be afraid. You're sexually open doesn't mean that he's going to feel comfortable necessarily being open with you because of his hang-up, not because of anything you're doing or who you are. True, true. Yeah, that's true. 
So let him go. Yeah. Fuck other people. The world. Yeah, I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, I, I'm well aware. And then you know, keep if you liked him well enough to you know, call me and stress out about the end of this relationship, like him well enough to say, if he comes crawling back to me, I'll think about it. Instead yeah. Instead of being bitter about... Well, now he's doing, the, he's doing the, you were so fabulous, and I hate to see you exit my life this way. I know this is a strange, you know, this is probably a bad time to be asking this, but how about being friends? Don't be friends. And I, I don't like that. Yeah, I, I just don't like that idea at all. Call him straight up. Like, what you said early on doesn't make any sense. What you said now, I don't get the sexual compatibility thing. I don't think you're being 100% honest with me. Even if he denies it, just say, well, right, you can deny it. I don't think so. Just so you know, like, if you want to get back together down the road, give me a buzz, but I'm not interested in friendship with you. I have friends. Uh, interested okay. in you romantically or nothing at all. And then walk away. Okay. But don't yeah. be, don't be a bitch about it. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, no. Actually, I, he, he said that I was very mature about it and really appreciated that, and I feel that I did handle it well. Okay. I wasn't trying to be a bitch about it. I hadn't said anything back to him about the friendship thing, and I think you're right that it's just it's opening a can of worms to try to be friends with an ex who dumps you for confusing reasons. You know, consolation prize friendships are salt in the wounds of the person who was dumped, and I don't know why people who are doing the dumping seem to think that that helps soften the blow. It's like, oh, I'll condescend to be friendly with you, uh, even though I'm not interested in you romantically. You know what? Fuck you. If you want me out, I'm out. <laughs> I'll go. Um, yeah. Because I'm not interested in you that way. Thanks for the advice. I sure appreciate thing. the call. Bye. All right. Bye. Um, I wanted to follow up on the woman who called about her fiancé, who is against... Uh, he's not a proponent of gay marriage. Um, I, I totally agree with everything you told her. I did. Uh, but I wonder... I would encourage her to think about... To ask him the questions about how they would raise their children and what would happen if one of their children turned out to be gay. Um, those things, I don't know if I'd be willing to risk being able to chip away at someone's personality over. Um, I think that's, that's something key that she should consider. The other stuff isn't as important, but if we can have kids together, <laughs> I wouldn't want a psycho raising my child. Good point. Thanks for the call. A couple more feedback calls. Hi, Dan. Hi, Tech Savvy at Roost Youth. Um, my name is Marge. I'm a 22-year-old, and I am a child of gay parents. And I just listened to the podcast and um, wanted to add a bit of advice um, that, Dan, typically you give in um, your advice to people, um, especially when it comes to things like coming out, which is something that um, we don't typically think of children of gay parents or as I like to call them, gaybies, um, having to do. But um, we do. Children of gay parents have to come out um, just like gay people have to come out. I mean, obviously, it's a little different. Um, but the piece of advice I wanted to add to everything that you said, which was great, um, the thing I wanted to add was the idea of um, sharing your news not as a big, serious deal. It's not like you have leukemia. Uh, it's like you have parents, like everybody else. So... Um, you know, it's just sharing a part of your life that's not any different from other people who have um, parents who are unusual for different reasons. So um, all families are fun and unique and weird and all those wonderful things. Right, you are, Gaby. People's reactions to our news is often informed, as I've said before, on how we present it. And if you trot out your news, your sexual orientation, your kink, whatever, like you've got leukemia, they're going to react like it's really bad, scary news. If you trot it out like you've got a cupcake or something good or something neutral, they're likely to react positively or in a neutral fashion. Thanks very much for calling in with that point. 
Hi, Dan. I have a a comment, not a question, um, on episode 137, the last podcast. Um, Your advice to the girl who's dating a guy who's insecure about his small penis, and she hasn't even really seen it yet. Um, You said, you know, when it comes out, whenever that is, like, reassure him. I would say, no, run away now. Run away. Okay, he has small dick syndrome, which actually has nothing to do with the size of a guy's dick, but it has everything to do with their insecurity because of their perception of said dick. Um, Even guys that are larger can suffer from it, um, depending on, again, their frame of reference. And guys that have, some guys that have small dicks don't suffer from it. It's a self-esteem and insecurity thing, not necessarily a size thing, but that's what it is. Um, She's going to be reassuring him forever and ever. He'll never get over it. Stop dating people that need to be fixed and wait for somebody who's, you know, fixed already. It's not her job to be his therapist or reassure him constantly. And you know what? It's going to get old. After a month or a year or whatever, it's going to get really, really old because she's going to get really sick and tired of having to reassure him about his dick all the time. I just say run away now and go for a guy that's confident in his dick and his ability period, regardless of what the size is, but get away from the motherfucker that's obsessed with the small size and won't even let it out. Um, it's, it's probably 99% chance not going to get better. Don't mince words. Just come out and say what you mean. I've listened to your call like three or four times now, and I can't quite figure out what it is you meant to say to the previous caller. Uh, thanks very much for that rather emphatic uh, dump the motherfucker already call. Uh, I, I do have to agree that maybe small dick syndrome is a real problem. Uh, I've had boyfriends with big ones and small ones, and uh, it wasn't a problem for me either way. The only time it was a problem was a boyfriend with a very small one who wouldn't shut up, like you said, about his dick and insisted every day that I had to be dissatisfied uh, and unhappy about the size of his dick until I dumped him because I was unhappy about having to listen to him insist that I was unhappy about the size of his dick. It does get, as you said, old. I believe that's exactly how you said it. All right, we're going to leave it there. Uh, Big dick guys, be confident. Small dick guys, be confident. Medium dick guys, Got your blessings. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast if you'd like to record a call for a future show. Today's show came to you from an airless 6 by 6 room on a 90-degree day in Seattle. So if it sounds like we're doing this with very low oxygen levels in our blood and brains, it's because we are! 206-201-2720 is the number. You download us every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com. And me and the asphyxiated tech savvy at risk youth will be back at you next week with another installment of Savage Lovecast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>